0: Welcome to the Parentpreneur Show, and I'm very pleased to welcome a gentleman by the name of Dr. Adnan Ali, who I am pleased to say I've known for a number of years now, Uh, someone that locked down through us together, and um, we've been uh, in contact ever since and uh, become good friends over that time. So the reason Adnan, I thought, would make a great first guest for the Parentpreneur Show is his commitment to family community and his professionalism and uh, he, he epitomises for me what I think a parentpreneur is. But without further ado, I'll I'll not do the big long preamble. I'll ask uh, I'll ask you Adnan to tell me a little bit more about yourself, your 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 background, your family,
1: your business, and how it all p- puts together. Thank you, Michael. Um, that's that's extremely flattering the way you kind of introduced me there. I think it's uh, definitely lots of uh, layers of jam and nutella and all sorts on top. But, um, uh, but uh yeah so background as a doctor uh you know, i've been practicing medicine now for almost uh, almost 20 years actually since 2006 can believe it or not um and it feels like yesterday and uh, one of the reasons i actually went into general practice was family so when when we had our when we had our son uh, that's when I realized that actually, you know what family is really important, and there was something at the time that I came across um, was an article written by a palliative care nurse, and she'd interviewed uh, these uh, men in their last you know months or days or weeks, and she'd asked them what their top five regrets were uh-huh. and the top regret for the majority was not that they hadn't done enough or they hadn't earned enough or or, or anything like that. It was that they hadn't spent enough time with their families and they wished they hadn't worked so hard. And that really hit home for me as a value that I also wanted was to value family time, weekends, evenings, etc um and so that's what drove drove some of my personal career decisions so hopefully it gives you a bit of an insight into into one of those and and that's something that drives me now is is you know being looking at values um that is a high up value there in terms of family so and then in terms of um uh sort of community yeah uh, again uh you know being able to pay back into the community uh is 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 again a uh, a value that transpired i think mainly uh through again working getting to know people in the community realizing what's going on what you know the opportunities we've had that other people do not get um and, and how we have a moral responsibility to to make a difference to other people's lives. And, and there's there's two bits to this. Uh, so you can look at it spiritually. So yeah. my faith is very important to me. And again, that pays into values, right? So, um, and from a faith perspective, uh, it's, you know, you're not on this world for yourself. You're not on this world just to kind of do your little bit and then go. Uh-huh. You're on this world to make an impact or make a difference to other people. Uh and an interesting one of the uh sort of one of the teachings or uh practices that's really encouraged is feeding other people. Mm-hmm. And that's not just about, you know, physically feeding. I mean, absolutely it is. But also feeding other people means being charitable, giving your time, giving your expertise, helping out, finding those people that uh, that need something that you may be able to help them with and going out of your way to go and do something for them uh, as being something that's actually going to benefit you in the end spiritually as well right yeah so so that's that's i think that's where a lot of the community drive comes from and then and then you look at the entrepreneurial side yeah and and it's just it's just something that glues it all together Um, like the thread that binds it all together yeah and it's i think um when you when, when when you're in a an employed role you're doing a and in fact, I wasn't doing a nine to five role. My first job as a, a GP, I did that for two or three years, and and I was literally working from eight in the morning till pretty much eight in the evening, uh, you know, Monday to Friday, and then Saturday morning or whatever, and it was just full on. Mm. Um, and and you don't then get the opportunity to live out the values that you have decided are important for you, right? Sure. So, so then you have to start looking at, well, what are the changes I need to make in my life? And that may even mean your career or your work or whatever that allows you to live your values, right? Yeah. And and I kind of accidentally fell into the entrepreneurial bit, but I always had that itch, always knew that was something I wanted to do. Um, But I actually moved into kind of medical leadership, which allowed me to do a nine to a five job. Yeah. And just having those four hours back per day was, was just out of the world. I mean, I remember the first two or three days when I was working and I'd be home before the kids got home from school. And they are like, Have you not been to work today? And I was like, I don't want to work for the day. I'm done. Are you, what, what? you? We, we can spend the evening together. And it was, um, you know, and it was, this is, you know, for other people, they were already working nine to five. Yeah. Um, and then that's what then drove me thinking, right, what else can I do to live my values even more? Um, and, and you come across, um, uh, sort of, you know, these really well-established speakers, and I remember there was a chat talking about, um, uh, and I, I love this analogy of the, the, the person practicing archery, trying to hit a target um and and it's not that one day he's just gonna hit it and that's it he's got to be trying to hit that target every single day yeah right yeah uh and the more he practices at hitting that target eventually he'll hit it so an archer he can't just be shooting arrows you know blindly or not doing any practice and then one day go and, and expect to hit that target he's yeah. gonna to have to be hitting that target every day or trying to hit it. And that's the same way in living our values. So if we've got a goal or something that we aspire to do, we can't say, well, in 10 years time, it'd be great for me to spend more time on holiday or more time with my kids or take my son wherever, or my daughter, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You have to be doing that now. Now, do what you, you can. proactively yeah. start doing it. And it's, you know, you might hit it straight away, by chance, you know, yeah. but actually what's going to happen is you're going to miss. But the fact is, because you're trying, you're going to be moving very quickly in that direction yeah. uh, and it's going to be noticeable uh, rather than just saying, well, you know what, I've got a target 10 years time. I want to quit whatever I'm doing and then I'm going to spend time with family. Well, actually, you don't know if you're going to be here in 10 years time. Well, it's going to, you know, is it going to be too late? Uh, you know is something else going to happen is something else going to distract you you know you're going to have some other you know as your business grows or whatever you're trying to do is there something else that's going to come in introducing
0: leadology.ai sponsors of series one of the parentpreneur show leadology.ai is the ultimate all-in-one digital marketing platform for service-based businesses ready to supercharge your success with Leadology's exclusive offer for the Parentpreneur Show listeners, not only will you receive two months free with an annual subscription, but you'll also unlock an ultra smart bonus bundle of clever solutions for your Parentpreneur business that will help you save time and unlock a world of opportunities. This bundle alone is worth $997. Just click on www.leadology.ai to learn more.
1: It's really important. So those are, so, you know, being value led and then having some practices or some, some philosophy that allows you to start living those values, I think it's super important. I think that's that's
0: a really good point that you make
1: it's um yeah
0: just on a really practical level 10 years time your kids will probably want nothing to do with you I know you know that's probably likely to be the case with me so <clears throat> putting it off until tomorrow is really not a good idea and that constant iteration as well you know I've, I I often say you know good enough is better than perfect is it rather you know just do something with what you've got where you are right now and iterate just improve and build upon that I think that I think that's probably quite a ubiquitous trait or skill amongst the entrepreneurs I know they they're they're doers you know um one of the hashtags you know how we met through uh through the startup um, one of their hashtags is GSD you know get stuff done or get shit done depending on you know whether you're polite or impolite like me um and and it is isn't it I think that's what I really admire about you Adnan is that you're a doer you get on with stuff and you were constantly tweaking and thinking and reading. I'm actually quite glad. Actually, I, I, I was thinking, "Crikey, I hope he's not sat in front of that bookcase," because I always get <laughs> I, I always get book envy when I see your library. I haven't I
1: haven't got that. I've got you know. Oh, yeah. I think I think my background is blurred. I can't actually see myself, but um, yeah. yeah, I think it's blurred. I was on a, I was on a different call and a, and uh, but, anyways, mm-hmm. um, so. Know, there's definitely books for... I'm one of these people who buys books. Yeah. And then they get parked up, and, and my daughter, so she wrote a... Um, she write like a, a thing for school about what you'd pack for holiday and what your family would pack. Yeah. And, and for for me, she wrote, my dad would pack 20 books that he hasn't read over the past year, and they'd probably not read on holiday either. <laughs> <laughs> that excellent. Is that excellent. Is that true, though? Or is, is there one
0: book that you... I, I know for me, there was a book called uh, Think Like a Tycoon by, and I can't remember the chap's name. I want to say it's William something or another, but I remember still to this day, I, I know which friend I lent it to and uh, I, I've never seen it back, but I, I do know that that was the kind of the trigger for me. And I was probably about 17 or, or so when I read that. I'd done other things before that, but this was the first time I'd sort of um, read um and had labeled and named being an entrepreneur and doing things differently to being a nine to fiver sort of stuff. Was there, was there one sort of seminal moment or one seminal book or person?
1: That um, there is a book that I, that I always um, uh, shout about, and it's called Bounce by a chap called Matthew Sive. So he was uh, a, I don't know if it was international UK table tennis champion. And he he talks about how uh, through it's it's all this nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. um and and really what it's about is you can or anybody can become great at something. Yeah, you don't have to. Uh, so we, we we tend to tell ourselves that we can't do something. Um, and it's, and that kind of helps, you know, we talk about values, uh, and, and some people are, well, it's absolutely impossible, impossible for me to, you know, make these changes to allow myself to, uh, live this particular value that's really important to me. Right. Yeah. And, and so he is, he's very, he's very much on this concept of growth mindset and uh of this you know a thousand was it ten thousand hours of practice yeah um the fact that actually you know mozart okay was was a ta- was you know one of these extremely talented uh and in fact that's an understatement right um <laughs> was one of these very rare yeah, he uh, extremely, extremely, extremely talented uh people right musicians but when you, when you break it down, apart from the fact that, that he was a kid, about seven years old or eight years old when he became famous, yeah, he, by that age, had put in something like 10,000 hours' worth of practice. Okay? Mm. And in fact, he was no better than a, uh, a composer who was in their 20s or 30s. Yeah. Uh, but what made him great was the fact that he was a kid, right? Um so what what that tells us two things. One is that actually, okay, fine, you, you there are certain individuals who are just gonna go like Elon Musk's and the Richard Branson's on the world. Yeah. That's fantastic. But but that doesn't mean that nobody else can get to that state. It might take us another 20 years to sure. get to where where they are. Yeah. But it means that it's still possible. Yeah. And you've got to have some certain certain background kind of abilities or um uh you know for instance if you wanted to become uh you know a power lifter uh then you know you've got to have some physique i suppose and then work towards that Um, but generally speaking anybody can do whatever they want and it's about it's about
0: laying those sort of um laying those good sort of markers that were creating those good paths. You mentioned well, a, a couple of examples on that. Um, Bill Gates is another one who's cited as a bit of a a, a, a wonderkin sort of thing, but yes, he was super bright, pro, but probably not the best coder in the world, but he had a, an opportunity because of where, when he was born. And I think his mum bought a, the, the first computer for the PTA at his school. So he was yeah. forever able to lock himself yeah. away in the library. And so he got those 10,000 hours in early. And um, Branson, I remember a, a story. I think it was, I think it was his mum. They they were coming back from a holiday by the coast, and he still hadn't learned to swim in the sea. And they passed a river, and she apparently stopped the car and just literally threw him in and, and made him Excellent. swim. Um, and another story where he was dropped a few miles from home and told to walk home at the sort of tender age of five. So I, I guess the point I'm getting to is as a parent and an entrepreneur, do you think entrepreneurs make better parents or do you think their kids are just like, oh God, here goes another lecture or here goes another sort of life lesson. Do you think it helps being an entrepreneur and raising kids?
1: That's a really good question. Really, really good question. And um, we were having this exact same conversation last night.
0: Oh, so really.
1: We went out for dinner and I said to the kids, my son's fifteen and my daughter's twelve, I was like, you guys have got no excuse. that like you've got literally the world the world in your hands at your fingertips, no excuses, right? Yeah. And um and and I said to him, if I gave you a bit of money each, like literally fifty pounds or a hundred pounds, what do you think you could do with it? And then got them both excited and was like, oh, my daughter's like, oh, how could, you know, there's this stuff on Etsy and you do this, and you do that and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. and then all I could start doing like a logo business. And what I'll do is I'll find people who can make the logo and I'll find people who need a logo and then I'll match them together. And she's 12 years old and she's Love thinking it. like an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Um, so absolutely. I think it does impact kids because not only do they see you kind of doing this very, uh, portfolioed the the variety of my day. I don't have a normal day. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and I think they, they, they see that. Uh, and then they also hear the conversations that we're having. Uh, they know of the people that I'm, you know networking my net worth as you yeah. call it yeah right um and and they realize that these things are important whereas i think if you if you don't have that exposure as a child then you know you just you're kind of stuck in a, a very very much a fixed mindset a single vision yeah kind of uh, uh, uh worldview yeah uh, so definitely i think um uh, it 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 helps, and it's not about. It's definitely not about creating kids who are just money minded. No, um, it's about going back to values again, mm-hmm. and going back to that thing about you know what is the difference you are making to the world, right? Yeah, and and as a kid. Uh, you know, if we can encourage them to be the absolute best at whatever they want to do. Yeah. Okay. And that it's about making a difference in the world that's going to help other people. I think that's great. I think that's, that's, that's what an entrepreneur basically is about a yeah. sustainable one, anyway. There's de- definitely plenty of people who are just out there to make money for the quick but, buck. Yeah. But, but they're the ones who, who are up and down all the time. Yeah. Um, but then there's your, there's those people who who have that vision of of change and you know a really good example is at patagonia the clothing company in um, uh, australia right and you look yep. at their founder and how it's all about sustainability and uh, environmental impact and their, their employee engagement all of that kind of stuff and the difference that he the, you know that this, the founder actually made to the world yeah Uh, obviously he's made a lot of money out of it which is great uh but he's also that that wasn't his sole driver and i think it's important that kids realize that they realize that actually it's not just about that yeah but it's also about your you know your impact and then the other thing that's really important i think when we're talking to kids is to make sure that because the world has changed you know it's no longer get a job at you know 16 18 20 whatever 25 out of university and then you know pay into the company pension and then retire at the age of 70 or 73 whatever it's going to be and get your pension and that's it that's not what no, that's this that's a, there's previous generations right Models has gone yeah that model's out yeah and in order for these kids to actually live a life that they want to live they need to be able to fall back on uh, uh methods or ways of working that are going to allow them to do that yeah yeah and be thinking about that now i think that's a really really good point
0: because you're right you, you were saying when you were at dinner last night that kids today i sound like an old man kids today they've got it so easy you know um everything's at their fingertips literally you know you've got more processing power than nasa had during the moon landings in 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 an iphone yeah. or a, an android but equally with that, there's also a lot of overwhelm. We are absolutely deluged with information these days. So it's almost like there's the basic tools out there, but the really kind of finessed qualitative tools that we need to be teaching kids is how to filter, how to be objective. And, and I think a really good filter for that is values. As you say, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer, and, and funnily enough, this didn't really drop and hit home until probably about two 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 and a half years ago the more people i can help the more success i will see be that financial success be that sort of just have uh, having a warm and fuzzy feeling but the more people you can help the more successful you will be as as an entrepreneur what um so so tell me how healthality which is which is your um which is your entrepreneurial sort of spin on your on on your medical background tell me about how that fits in with entrepreneurship what it is how
1: you live by those values yourself? So uh, interesting, Healthality came out of, uh, it was pre-COVID actually, the, the idea. Um, and it was a realization. So if I just take a, a little step back. So when I moved from being a uh, a, a day-to-day GP, yeah uh, seeing you know patients in ten minutes or whatever, all that kind of stuff and you know twenty thirty odd patients you know per day and all the other bits and bobs and you literally there's a limit to how much impact you can make mm-hmm. it's it's one on one yeah and when I moved over to um to sort of medical leadership and and you're realizing now you're making impacts on a, on scale. You know, you are, uh, you know, a decision you make doesn't impact just one person. It impacts a population. It might be a local population in a county or whatever. So you start realizing that actually there's different ways of working as a doctor even, because it was always kind of, you know, uh, drilled in that you know you're a doctor you you kind of you you you're seeing patients and and that's it. Yeah. Well, actually, as a doctor, there's a lot more you can do to impact a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so health artists kind of just kind of came through that evolution of what can we do that's going to make a difference, and. Uh within the NHS, it, it was it was quite obvious at that time, so it was four years ago, uh, that uh making an impact is, is very, very difficult due to all the constraints of finances, uh, the impact that we wanted to make anyway. Sure. Uh finances, uh being commissioned to do something, uh, and then being uh held to to some kind of contract by a commissioner and then you know you can't really go out of that yeah um, can't do what you want to do basically very
0: prescriptive
1: and therefore private going into this kind of setting up this private practice basically which is what it started off as was our way of saying right this is our business on our terms and our commissioners are basically the people that are buying from us. And if they're happy with what we're providing, then they'll come yeah. and buy it. If they don't want it, they don't have to buy it from us. And it was a way of think it was, it, that opportunity. That was an opportunity then for us to come up with a model of care that we thought was the future, which is basically... Uh, it's actually it's back to the future or back to the past yeah so what we've done what the the, what we set off with was if if you were to get a time machine and go back in to to the 60s or 70s where your family doctor was literally that yes your family doctor may have delivered you as a baby and then known you throughout your life, your thicks and thins and whatnot, mm-hmm. and you were able to speak to your family doctor. You were able to see them. They knew what was going on in your life. It wasn't just a ten-minute snapshot. They knew you, right? Uh, and we felt that, although is is quite a difficult model to deliver at scale, yeah, was something that we aspired to, and we felt that actually there's a way to do it. Um that unfortunately due to and actually COVID just, you know, we know what's we know what's going on in the NHS now, delivering that kind of care is just impossible. Yeah. Uh whereas privately, where people are happy to pay, that's that is possible. So that was our that was our founding kind of one of our tenets, one of our business values. And then it it evolved from there once we realized that actually there are certain um uh, some aspects of people's lives that uh, again, once you start impacting them, you can actually start impacting at scale. Uh, and it brings in that value of getting to know people. yeah so so what we so what it's evolved into really is a mission to uh, reduce or uh, stop um, men and women. Uh, from dying prematurely from undiagnosed conditions like heart problems and diabetes. Um, And in fact, this week, um, uh, I I, I delivered uh, some training at at the beginning of the week on basic life support Mm -hmm. uh, to a local local organisation. And I was just, just refreshing and doing some research on it and looking at some facts and figures. And it's just it's it's mad it's you know the number of people that die every single day in fact every eight minutes somebody dies from a heart related condition in the uk wow that's just crazy yes absolutely madness and and you look at look at the figures for um, I mean, men are much higher than women, obviously, life expectancies, et cetera. The fact that life expectancy has plateaued over the past decade. And in fact, in COVID, uh, life expectancy reduced for the first time. I think it's almost just over either a year or under a year for each uh, gender. Wow. And then also, the other thing we look at is quality of life or. Uh, um, uh so it's, i think it's the the um number of years that you are expected to be unwell okay? yeah uh, and that you know averages something around 16 or 19 years depending on what figures you're looking at so somebody wow. who's going who's expected to die at the age of about 80 yeah will spend about 16 to 19 years of their life in poor health
0: wow 25 percent in poor health yeah I, I, what amazes me as as society i I hesitate to use the word evolve because it doesn't feel like it's evolving it is as you say it feels like it's stagnating it's not just that people are becoming sort of physically obese but it's almost like the thinking is becoming fat and lazy too yeah and people are what i what i love about healthality is i I didn't realize this until quite recently that it's a mashup of health and reality
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and
0: and that and that makes absolute sense. the description of what you've just been saying now.
1: Yeah,
0: it's it's something I know because, as well as being a sort of you know a book collector and an occasional reader, I know that your health is is very important because we've taken you know particularly during uh, lockdown when we could exercise with other people, we we did quite a few walks and stuff, and I know that's a big thing for you as well. Yeah, is um, are you a big believer in sort of functional health, functional medicine? rather than finding a, a, you know, prescribed drug to make someone better?
1: Absolutely. So it comes back down to that, the quality of life. Okay. How can we, nobody can change the day that you're going to die. You know, nobody knows that nobody can change that. But what we can absolutely do is improve or reduce those numbers of years that you're going to spend unwell. Yeah. Okay, and there's ways of doing that, but uh, that okay, medicine, drugs, etc. has has a place, absolutely has a place. When somebody has that heart attack, or they start getting angina, they've got you know severe um, restriction of their coronary arteries, etc. They need medical help. Okay, mm-hmm. but way before that where yeah. we know this person has got risks okay there's stuff that we can do that does not have to rely on medication to get that person either their risk reduced or if somebody's actually fit and well and in a really good state of health to actually maintain that health yeah and f- so for instance i know you're you're uh you know you you, you love doing it. It's weightlifting, for instance, right, resistance training, Um, there's lots of evidence coming out that shows, and it makes sense, that people who do resistance training into their older decades uh, have got lower risks of heart disease, diabetes, cancers, dementia, right, plus others and and if you think about it what's going on especially with things like diabetes and diabetes is a leading cause of a whole load of other problems kidney problems um your uh, nerve problems visual problems etc yeah um uh that if so if you've your your, your muscles are your uh they're they're the glucose uh, kind of burning furnace, bat- factory, whatever you want to call it, yeah. right? Uh, it's a power station. Mm-hmm. Your, your muscles, so and and they take glucose. Imagine that's coal being chucked in and they burn it. Where so if you haven't got those power stations, you haven't got the muscle there, and you're chucking all that glucose in, i.e., carbohydrates, yeah, uh, excessively and you're not burning it off then what you're doing is you're just storing it as fat sure um and, and therefore and at some point your insulin then starts becoming less effective uh, and then you start getting these peaks of glucose and then that excess glucose then starts causing the problems with uh, all the inflammatory processes that you know cause all these other issues right yeah yeah so so if we increase our muscle mass Mm-hmm. Or lean muscle mass and we're, we're making good use of that and we're burning that glucose off or actually that that also you can almost see immediately how that could potentially reduce your risk of diabetic related diseases or you know in the future yeah so so that's that's just a very simple example of where functional medicine so actually looking at your uh your exercise regime uh, what you're doing, rather, you know, you may just be focusing on cardiovascular stuff. That's great, mm-hmm. but you need to add in a particular type of so a, a different regime that's going to also give you that new muscle mass. I I saw a lovely, I, th- I think it was a little Instagram post yesterday. It
0: might even have been from um, Andy Tate, who's who's my trainer. Um, over in um, I, I was
1: going to say somebody else. Yeah, no, no, not that, <laughs> not the chat. not
0: not not that Andy Tate, not Andrew Tate, but Andy Tate Taters. Um, he's my coach over. He's over in Vancouver Island. Um, I think it was him who actually said cardio is like instant gratification for your body. It's kind of like um getting a paycheck every week. Um, weight training or resistance training, he said, is like building up a passive income. It that will keep paying you. Yeah. in the years to come. And I thought that was a great analogy. And what you've just said now, it, it, it made me realize I kind of look at my life. So my life has, it's, it's like a milking stool. It's got three legs. It's got my entrepreneur, you know, um, life. It's got my family, but it's also got self-care, which I'll, I'll be honest, really has taken a bit of a beating over the last few years. And, and I, I need to address that much more. But those three, th- those three legs of the milking stool, the thing that underpins them all is having good health. If you're not in good health, you haven't got the energy to to do uh, do the business because that takes a lot out of you. And then if that's taking it out of you, you ha- you you I become a crabby, grumpy dad, you know. And I don't want to be that 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 kind of person. Um, so sewing the three things together: self care, whether that's diet, as you said, um, or exercise, resistance training, or just simple things like sort of being mindful and 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 meditating, which are things that I I try to do and encourage with the kids health is fundamental to being an entrepreneur or being a parentpreneur, you know, being a, a family person and, and in business for oneself. Yeah.
1: Is that a fair comment? Um, it's an, it's, it's an absolutely, it's a fair comment. And, you know, it's that old adage or cliche, whatever you want to call it, health is wealth. But actually yeah. if you think about it, the origins of the world of the word wealth, actually come from health okay Okay. um i think it's a back in what 13th 14th century something like that the the original when wealth came about and it was and and a wealthy person was somebody who had good health Mm -hmm. right um and 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 you listen to any entrepreneur talking yeah on any podcast pretty much guarantee you at some point they're going to start talking about health yeah and well-being yeah and it's because it is absolutely key i think they realize that without it it's, whatever you do is pointless um and and then if and, and those people who don't realize once they start focusing on their health and they see the benefits not only personally or with their families, but also within directly within their own business, they see the power of it, and that they almost become addicted to it. If that makes sense, they are yeah. really into it, yeah, um, and they can't stop talking about it. But yeah. I reckon if you if you were to listen to any any entrepreneur talking, at some point they're going to talk about health, yeah, yeah, because it's super important
0: it's so true um and for me as well with 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 my kids they're both quite sporty as you know and they and, and they're only young but i don't have to do much in the way of encouraging them, encouraging them to do that i think i try to set a good example you know um half terms and stuff like that if if childcare needs dictate one or both of them will come down to the gym with me um and and i think setting those good examples um as an entrepreneur and as a, and, and as a parent are really key it it's because you have to be very mindful and thoughtful I th- and i'm not dissing the sort of the whole world of employment and corporate world because not everyone can be or is cut out to do their own thing i get that but what i think it it teaches me most of all and the lesson that i like to pass on to the kids most of all is is about thinking there's a great Quote from the late great Bob Proctor, which is two percent people think, three percent think they think, and ninety five percent would rather die than think. Um, and and um, whenever I see my kids doing something daft, I will go ninety five er, and immediately they're like, no 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 no. What do you mean? What do you mean? They they don't like the idea of not being in control of um, yeah. of their environment. Yeah. What what kind of what would you say in your experience? The three kind of pieces of advice you'd give to someone, let's say they were about to embark on the sort of entrepreneurial journey but they're kind of thinking oh no but i've got little johnny and you know i need to do this for them and this you know and what what advice would you say about entwining the two things entrepreneurialism and, and being a good good dad being a good parent i think
1: um you know this this you know our conversation has revolved around values and mean yeah. And that we didn't set out to do that. And, um, but that that's super important. And I, and anybody that I speak to, so, you know, my, in the coaching work that I do, we pretty much start off on what is it you want? What are the values that you aspire to either that you've got them now, and you want to preserve them, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> um, or you, the values that you aspire to, you don't have that you want. And, and a lot of people don't know that, they don't know yeah. what values they have. They know they want to spend more time with family or whatever, but they don't know what the actual value is. Mm. So the first thing I always say is sit down, get a piece of paper, research your values. And actually there's plenty of resources online and you can print off these lists of other people's values, basically but actually that that doesn't mean that's not an exclusive list you can actually create your own values yeah uh you know come up with your top 20 and then your top 10 and then your top 5 and then your top 3 whatever they are values and then that's the first thing and then see well actually whatever am i what i'm doing at the moment how does that fit in where's the gap um and then you know being an entrepreneur there's a lot of kind of romanticism and actually it's really bloody hard work (laughs) um not knowing uh you know are you gonna clear enough to pay your bills at the end of the month right um yeah yeah that's that's pretty stressful that is whereas and sometimes you think you know actually it was you know if, if i'd remained in my job or whatever it was I know I get paid on the twenty seventh every month, and it's actually the amount of stress that you know is involved in that. Yeah, uh, and you know, going off sick uh, or taking your annual leave or whatever, not having to worry about having to have made sure that you've kind of covered all the bases and this, that, and the other. Yeah, so there's a, it's not an easy journey. So your values really have to uh, uh, lead the way because. You will very quickly either give up uh or or get into this kind of rut of why did i do this yeah if you then don't have those values in front of you telling you why you're doing this yeah um so that's that's probably the first thing i can't remember the question now obviously i keep rambling on um, (laughs) no just uh, you know so well you've you've given a piece of advice there what 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 else would you say to
0: someone who is thinking about this but was kind of scared of finding uh, th- th- there's no such thing as a balance. It's a seesaw, right? A seesaw. Yeah. still, And that's what it, I think it's like, like a parentpreneur is it, it's a constant sort of, yeah. It's, uh, my karate, um, shehan my teacher, he always described it as uh dynamic equilibrium, you know, walking yeah. is dynamic equilibrium. You're always off balance, but because you're moving, there's a band as there is a sense. Yeah. Of balance, and I think yeah, life absolutely. is like that as well. So what, what else would you kind of say, uh, um, for example in terms of carving out time with the family or time for work you know what what, how how do you manage it what so
1: so then so then you you take your values yeah and you set your your boundaries basically so what are the the absolutes you know where do you um uh compromise where do you not compromise uh and and that I think is then the next step yeah because again if you don't set those boundaries then they're always going to blur because as again as if you're doing running your own business uh you know you can quite easily find yourself doing that 24/7 mm-hmm. and then you're not living the values that you actually set off to do right yeah, yeah so so nice. boundaries i think is then super important Great. Uh, it sounds a bit counterintuitive in that, you know, you became an entrepreneur to give yourself all that flexibility. But again, if 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 you don't give yourself those boundaries, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. And also, any, you know, the, the values that you're trying to live to. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's well, probably well, the second bit.
0: Okay. Uh, and yeah. I was gonna I was gonna say with great flexibility comes great responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Very true.
0: So yeah. that that's that's fantastic. And they flow so naturally together. Yeah. I can see that now. For yeah. the values and boundaries. Yeah. What what would you say was is there a kind of a practical third step, the third tier to that?
1: I think um I love the idea of uh so so the third step then is setting up some rules. Yeah. Okay. So there's a guy I haven't actually listened to him for, a while, for a while now, and he's, he's my he's my driving podcast that I always go to. A chap called Tom Billiou. Um, he 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 has a uh, podcast called Impact Theory. Okay, and um, <clears throat> he talks about rules, and and we always <laughs> see rules as something that is is hindering us or keeping us back or. You know, especially when you look back at your school rules or whatever, and if you break a rule, you get a red card or a purple card or whatever it was, right? Yeah. But actually, rules can be really important. So rules then allow you to stick to to values and your boundaries. So, for instance, a rule may be that uh, you uh, go to the gym for at least, you know, four sessions or 45 minutes every single week yeah okay a rule may be that uh and this is tom's rule is if the alarm when your alarm goes off in the morning you have to be out of bed within 10 minutes okay yeah another rule may be that and this is this is the distractions bit right is that you will um you know things like social media mm-hmm. and and again you can quickly as an entrepreneur get sucked into oh i need to you know be following this person or reading this pod uh, um blog post or listening to this podcast or whatever or you know seeing what you know what's going on, on linkedin and i must update my instagram and blah, blah. And you can spend hours on that stuff yeah yeah and actually not find it productive yeah uh, or useful, and therefore setting up some rules about right. So it's it's an hour, or it's fifteen minutes, or it's thirty minutes per day. That's what I'm going to do. Um, Excellent. then allows you to 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 work. I think, and, and again, it, you know, it kind of goes back to your boundaries and then into your values
0: it's like a little ecosystem. Yeah. that just keeps feeding off itself. Yeah. You're, you're, you're so right. Cause one of the sort of things I, I adhere to seven days a week, even weekends I've discovered is, is that having some sort of parameters, um, they don't have to be rigid rules. You know, there's not a, a whistle and, you know, everyone has to line up sort of stuff, but if there is just some parameters within which you can work, yeah. I think it's, it's it, I think it's a phrase from Jocko Willink, the American, um ex-special yeah. services guy where he says um freedom lies within the discipline you know so yeah. i always scribble down six things that i'll never have more than six things on my sort of list each day i'll write yeah. them down just as they come to me and then i'll sort of sit down and go okay which one thing here if i did nothing else today would make today successful and you kind of if you i find the days where i approach it in that way you take off the most important ta- i talk about mit's um in in my writing you take off your 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 main mit and that's it your day's are kind of a success so then if your kids come home from school you, your mit yeah you most MIT, important most task. important task yeah yeah okay and yeah you, absolutely you, you t- you can tick that off, and you could go. Great kids, let's go. Let's go for a walk. Let's yeah. go for a bike ride. Whatever yeah. it is, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's really fast. I like that. That's really yeah. really sound advice. So values, boundaries, and rules in a yeah. little in a little ecosystem. We'll um we'll put some sort of bits and pieces in the show notes. You know, um, you mentioned yeah. Tom Villeux as well, and, and I know you've mentioned him before, and I really do have to dig that out, um. I, you, it, it may be that Tom is one of those inspirations and I've, I've got a funny feeling. You might also say, um, your, your faith, cause I know that's very important, but what, what kind of two big inspirations do you have in your life? That could be a thing. It could be a person. Is there anything that you sort of immediately think of,
1: um, inspiration? Good question. So, um, or drive it, well, or a driver. Yeah. Uh, so, I think um, it's mainly people who inspire me. Right? Yeah. Um, My dad is definitely one of those people. And we were chatting about this over dinner the other night. Yeah. uh, About how they, the... And interestingly, so we we were talking about how uh, stories and um, uh, how it's important that we, we, you know, we capture our, our parents' stories. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and, and, and I always thought my dad had always just worked. Okay. Actually, he has had an, an entrepreneurial streak as well. Oh, fantastic. And, um, and it's only, and it's just, I just remember, so he, he, I remember he, he, him telling us once how, and I know he, he had a business, he was a mechanic, he had his own kind of car repair shop, et cetera. Yeah and um but but actually way before then he was telling me how he uh once went and bought this clapped out he's quite good with his hands right he bought this clapped out van yeah brought it home i think he paid like a hundred pounds for it so this is back in the i think 70s and brought it home um fixed it up got its mot passed or whatever hand painted it you know some random color and then he started supplying groceries on a door-to-door basis oh brilliant okay and and for whatever reason didn't quite work out but then he sold on the van and he, he made some money on the van you know and that was you know his kind of entrepreneurial kind of thing yeah and, and there's other 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 examples as well, in you know, where he's, you know, invested in a business and then, and you know, he's, you know, I think the challenge is them far different to now, uh, where, you know, being the sole breadwinner, uh, you know, young kids, et cetera, you don't have that same access to what we've got now. And I think if he'd had the opportunities that we've got, he'd be absolutely flying right yeah yeah so so that he's definitely an inspiration um and and i think the other inspiration for me i think comes down to faith so it is that thing about what is it that we're doing that's going to it's not just about leaving a mark it's not about being remembered in 50 time 50 years time or 100 years time um, because that then becomes more egotistical. Sure. Right. It's about making that some kind of difference to other people's lives. Um, and if you've got the ability to to do that, so if you've got the ability to earn, you know, hundred thousand pounds per year or a million or a billion or a trillion then you almost have a moral duty to go and earn that, not just to help yourself, but so that you can then use that or use that influence or use those resources to go and make a difference to other people. Um, so, and it, it's interesting how um, that's not only just a uh, uh, something that comes out of, of my faith, but also when you look at other entrepreneurs, they have that as part of their uh, their, their kind of purpose and drive as well. Yeah. I know, you know, uh, for instance, Daniel Priestley, uh, some of you mm-hmm. both know very well, uh, not very well, but we know well. You know, we, yeah. we, we you know we've um, as as a coach. and I remember sitting with him, in one of his um, kind of round table things, and him, there were a few of us, and him asking us to put on a piece of paper how much money we'd like to make in the next whatever number of years, right? Yeah. And I thought, about okay, okay, I've got my mortgage to pay off. It'd be nice to pay off my sister's mortgages and, and my brother and blah, 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 and, you know, have a nice little thing to maybe buy a house, have a rental income. I think it worked out to about two or three million pounds. Yeah. And and and, uh, and that's roughly what other people, that's the, the thinking that they had, right? And roughly what other people put down. And, and he goes, if you've put anything less than a billion pounds on your piece of paper, you're being selfish. i was <laughs> like, what? He goes, you may have thought about yourself and your parents and your family and your siblings and paying off mortgages and maybe having a little nest egg. But that's all you've done is think about yourself and your immediate family. You haven't thought about your community, the, you know, people in your local area, and in fact, the world. Yeah. Okay. And if you're not thinking about them, then you are being selfish. And actually, and I thought like, you know what, you're so right. I fell for that trap. And it's so true. If you can earn a billion quid, which <clears throat> sounds like a lot mm-hmm. of money, but I think in these days, and it still is a lot of money. Yeah. So if you've got that potential. Yeah absolutely should be going for it not just for yourself but to make that difference um so i think that those you know that inspires me is something that then drives uh, that's, to... that's awesome that that makes
0: a lot of sense um john demartini um uh, I, I remember listening to one of his books and he was saying something along those lines but you know you want to make a difference to your family sure you know you, you 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 might make a million you want to make a difference to your your town yeah you may make a few millions so but if you want to make a difference to the world then you then that's when you're getting into the billions yeah and you look at someone like elon musk you know he's taken it even beyond planet earth now you know? yeah we've got uh, spacex when when they're you know not blowing up on the launch pad but you know his his ideal is to take humanity to mars that's that's, yeah. that's big thinking yeah. isn't it that's, that's yeah. a really good example. Yeah. Well, that's really good Adnan. It's always a pleasure chatting to you. I'm just conscious of uh of our time and and frankly I think we could probably talk through another episode of this. So uh that would be great to have you back sometime in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Um absolutely. I I always say connecting people has real value. So where can the listeners and the viewers to the Parentpreneur show, where could they find you? Where's the best place to find you and learn more about you and maybe get in touch and say hi? <clears throat> so probably
1: LinkedIn. Uh-huh. Um and I cannot remember off the top of my head, but my uh, LinkedIn, is it Adnan Ali or Dr. Adnan Will. Ali? But uh, I'm sure we yep. put it into the uh, LinkedIn and um, uh, podcast. So I've got, uh, as you know, you're one of my first guests as well. Uh-huh. And uh, so we have a podcast called Health Success, How I Do It, and it's available on all the all the platforms. Uh, that's probably the two places. And then I'm sure you'll you'll find me randomly elsewhere fantastic that's brilliant
0: Adnan thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure as always and uh, look forward to catching
1: up with you soon thank you Michael thank you